Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Have they found the the guy running around, the the accused murderer who was supposed to start his jury trial today, and so he cut off his ankle uh, ankle monitor? And Willie James Jr. out on bond while waiting for a murder trial. His court-ordered electronic monitoring device was removed early yesterday morning, coincidentally, when jury selection was supposed to start. Police believe that he shot and killed Matthew Gibbons in 2018. Police say that he'd had the monitor since 2018. And they added, according to the story WBTV, that murder suspects stopped being given ankle bracelets in 2019. So don't worry. This terrible idea is no longer in operation, except for, of course, the people that, I guess, got them and have been awaiting trial. Prior to 2019, I guess. So this guy's wanted for first-degree murder, robbery with a dangerous weapon, firearm by a felon. Wait a minute. Did he? Maybe he didn't know. There, we got laws against felons having guns. Interfering with an electronic monitoring device and injury to property. If you have information about this guy, Willie James Jr., you can call... 911, you can call the electronic monitoring unit, you can call or go to the website charlottecrimestoppers.com. Speaking of the violent crime, Lori Lightfoot lost up in Chicago. Give it up for the all the dead voters in Chicago making the right choice there. I don't know anything about, well, that's not true. I do know a little bit, a tiny wee bit about the two that beat her because she got beaten by two people. In the primary. They're, they're going to have to go to a runoff, but I know a little bit about them. A wee bit. So, one is the former CEO of Chicago Public Schools. And the other is the teachers union operative for Chicago Public School teachers. <laughs> That's who you're going to get. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> so, a lot's going to change up there, I'm sure. But uh, Lori Lightfoot, her tenure as Chicago mayor is over. One term, widely criticized as rising violent crime plagued the city during her four years in office and for her strict COVID-19 restrictions. And as students in Chicago public schools struggled to perform at grade level, she conceded in her race for re-election in the primary. I believe she blamed racism. The same racism, I guess, that put her into office initially. By the way, regarding the uh, the schools and such and the pandemic and the shutdowns and the whatnot, um, what did they, what did they do with all of their emergency money? You ever wonder that all the pandemic funding like that that was just like thrown out of the helicopter? You know, the helicopter cash approach to solving government problems. Which always means more spending and more government, just a heads up on that. Um, literally nobody should be surprised by what public schools did 
with all of the pandemic aid that they got during COVID. David Strom over at hotair.com says very little of the money. You might want to sit down for this. Very little of the money was actually spent on making schools more resilient to COVID or COVID-like diseases. I said this from the outset. When, when, when this thing was recognized as an aerosol, because remember in the very beginning stages, and maybe you were one of them, I'm, I'm not here to mock, I'm not here to mock, Remember, people were wiping down everything. They were, like, spraying and using the Lysol wipes on, like, their grocery bags. People would leave stuff on the porch, and they would come out, and they would spray it all down. Because at the very, very beginning, we didn't know, supposedly, we didn't know that it was uh, how it was transmitted. Was it aerosolized, or was it, you know, from contact? So better safe than sorry, just get into the bubble, right? But it was pretty soon into the thing that everybody kind of accepted. And I, I don't even remember there being some sort of big announcement like, hey, everybody, we know now it's it's respiratory, it's aerosolized, right? Um, but very early on, the the advice went out, you don't need to wipe stuff down. So once we knew that it was spread via breath, basically, um, I saw a video, it came out of Japan they put these two guys in a room. I've talked about it before. They put two guys in a room. They turned out all the lights, and then they shine like this green laser, kind of a light or something, into the room. And you can see as they're talking all of the the micro droplets, they called them. And that's when I first dubbed the term lung juice. Uh, and that's what's going that's what they're that, that's what's being expelled. As you speak, which is like Kind of disgusting. I apologize, Chris, Bernie. I'm filling the room here with my lung juice. I apologize. But I'm paid to do it in my defense. I am paid to do this. So you sit there and you see the micro droplets just kind of fill the room. The micro droplets are so small, they're they're lighter than air. And so they don't fall to the ground. Because you can see, like, when they're talking, you get, like, you know, the pieces of spit that come out of the mouth and all that. They land onto this microphone here. Um but the micro droplets are still suspended in air. And so obviously, if you are in the vicinity and you f- you're filling up the or you're, you're, the person you're, you're speaking to is breathing and talking and they're filling the air with the micro droplets, you're going to inhale them. I know it's, it's so nasty, but you're going to inhale them. And that's how it was spread. That's how it is spread. It's a respiratory virus, right? Aerosolized. And so what, what do we learn from this science, from this data? The science and data, as the Church of Branch Covidians like to uh, intone to us, what do we learn? Ventilation. Open some windows. Get some airflow going in here. Run some fans. And when Mandy Cohen, who has it going on, from what I hear, uh, and and my good friend Governor Ray Cooper, right when they would get up there and they made their their pitch, their branding effort, the the three W's. Remember what they were? Wait six feet apart, wear a mask, and wait, what was the third W? I've already forgotten. 
What a terrible marketing campaign. I can't even remember what the third one was. What was it? It was the third W. Anyway, I suggested a fourth W because I wanted to be helpful. You know me. I'm all about solutions, and I'm a giver. And so I, I offered this up to them, and it would be called wind or, or window, whatever. Open a window. And they never talked about it. I think there was finally, I think I may have shamed, I think it was Travis Fain from WRAL. <clears throat> I may have shamed him and him alone into asking a question about ventilation. There was, may, I think I saw during the course of the pandemic, I think I saw maybe one or two stories that mentioned ventilation. Why was that never part of the equation, the branding effort? Why would you never tell people to ventilate? You told them to lock themselves in their homes with other people, and you're all sitting there breathing each other's lung juices. What if one of them is an essential personnel, and they got to go out and deliver you your food that you then wipe down with the, uh, the Lysol wipes, right? So if you thought that the money that was... Uh, allocated for the schools was going to be primarily used for health-related investments, you would be disappointed. It isn't going so much to buying new air filtration or any kind of similar expenses. Why would they spend the money on COVID-related things since they work to keep kids out of school in the first place? So how are schools, which are rushing to spend the money as fast as they can, how are they using this extra money? They are expanding the money being spent on school personnel in other words, more lung juice creators. They're, they're using the money used to mitigate that was supposed to be a, a, a spent to mitigate the pandemic, and they're using it to bring in more vectors, hiring more people, increased staff, increased salaries, and, of course, bonuses. 85% of the federal money provided last year was never even used. There's a problem also. There's been a bit of a decline in the number of students being served. About 2 million have left the public school system since COVID began. Seeking greener pastures or just opting out as they just kind of got out of the habit of going to school. Part of the increase in crime is actually driven by young teens who have basically dropped out. Districts across the country with the most remote classes lost about 4.5% of their students compared with a 1% drop for those that mostly held school in person. There's another complicating factor. Schools are using this one-time money for ongoing expenses. All right, I got some emails here. So first, this is from John. Pete, on the ankle monitor guy, I am torn on this one. I understand violent criminals need to be kept off the street, especially those accused of murder. But on the other hand, it has been five years. That is a long time for somebody to be in jail before they are convicted. Well, not even, yeah, not even convicted, tried, right? It was a 2018 murder. He apparently got arrested shortly thereafter because they scrapped the policy of doing the ankle monitoring in 19. So they arrested him in 18 prior to the change in the law. So yeah, five years and he's just now going to jury selection. That's how long it takes to, to go to trial? Five years for a murder? Alec Murdoch, they're doing closing arguments right now. 
And that was a year and a half ago. Those double murders. It's a good point. Uh, Matthew says the three W's. Oh, thank you. Yes, what was it? Wait six feet apart, wear a mask. Oh, and wash your hands. That's right. See, that one, I never, because I always wash my hands. I was already washing my hands a lot. So maybe that's why I didn't remember it. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate that. Um, The size, this is from Greg, who says the size of the virus is 40 to 60 times smaller versus an asbestos particle. 40 to 60 times smaller than a particle of asbestos. What do you use to remediate asbestos? Not an N97 mask. My liberal friends are shocked when I say such a uh, grandma-killing idea. Fact. That's true. They are shocked. The best... You remember seeing the videos of people that would do the vape pen, or uh, I guess it was vape pens, and they put the mask on, and you'd see the smoke just pour all out of it? Right, like... I actually got a um, a friend of mine uh, up in the mountains who owns the shop, the uh, Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Uh, I got. I remember going into his shop right before everything locked down. It was, this was like late February, early March time frame, I want to say. And uh, I guess it would have been February. And um, we started hearing about this. He had the hand sanitizer out in front of the shop, you know, for people to, to do a couple pumps before they come in. And he had gotten masks, like with the actual, uh, like these are these are the kinds of masks that you wear when you're like painting cars, you know, or maybe doing asbestos remediation kind of stuff. One of the, Like one of those. I picked up two of those from him. I was ready for it. I was like, if this was... Like, if this was going to be really bad, like, end of days kind of thing, like, Fallout 4 territory, I was going to be prepared. I mean, at least until the filters uh, wore out, and then I would be dead like everybody else. But at least for the time, like, initially, I would uh, I would survive for a little bit longer. And I was much bigger, too, so I could last a long time without eating, which is one of the downsides of losing the weight like I have is that I realize, like, I don't have a lot of fat to eat through if the food supply goes away. So I've had to, had to readjust my prep plans. Okay, another complicating factor with the uh, school funding from the pandemic funds that apparently have not been used for, you know, mitigation efforts, remediation, for the buildings, trying to keep them safer for the next round when COVID uh, escapes another uh, Chinese lab. The temporary nature of the funding complicates the rationale for using it to hire staff. But that's what they're doing. They're hiring more people with one-time funding. And then, of course, they're going to use that to bash uh, uh, politicians, probably Republicans, because Democrats, they don't, they don't, they have never encountered education funding that they won't support. Uh, Just whatever the number is, do it. Right? So you got the Republicans that are going to be like, whoa, we, this money went out the door. You were supposed to use it to do like a project, like put in air filtration systems or something, put in fans, whatever. And you guys used it to hire teachers. That was your decision. We didn't say to do that. You did that. They, these are ongoing expenses. That was a bad mistake. This is what this is what North Carolina Democrats did when they were in charge of our state budget. Uh, they ran the state for a century and a half. And by the time they got tossed from office in 2010, They were running structural deficits, multi-billion dollars a year. Structural deficits. Because 
they were taking one-time money and they were funding ongoing operations with it. And then they would come up short the next year because it was one-time money. If you use the money to pay for more positions, you set yourself up for what they're going to call a fiscal cliff, right? And then they're going to bash the politicians that don't give them additional funding. They're just, they're, they're keeping it as sort of a, a baseline budget. They just take the one-time money, put it into the baseline, and then next year carry that number forward. At the most basic level, there is a mismatch of choosing to use one-time federal money to buy things that commit the district to spend money beyond this year and the next. Using temporary funds to hire a slew of new employees, most with an expectation of continued employment, along with steady salary raises and future retirement benefits. Right? This is the mismatch. New York City's public schools, for example, they have spent a significant chunk of the relief money on growing its universal pre-K program, which was a wish list item that was on that wish list long before the pandemic. And critics would argue, I would say, rightfully so, has nothing to do with students recovering from learning loss. They've already learned the loss or lost the learning. But then again, do we want the schools to open back up? I mean, some of their actions, I got to wonder, <laughs> you know, like that was the, I was torn. It's like on the one hand, you're harming all of these kids for the rest of their lives. But on the other hand, opening the schools back up means they're exposed to more of these, these crazy ideas and stuff. So, yeah. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. All right, so Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools has apparently removed a couple of books from libraries. I'm kidding, it's library. I'm, it was on, that was intentional. Two books from libraries at Palisades High and West Charlotte High. A couple of days ago, they did this because they were deemed inappropriate by school officials. Which is interesting because I didn't think there was such a thing as an inappropriate book for among, uh, among the many school officials. But apparently, uh, they found some. Shayla Kennedy, the district's chief communications officer, confirmed that copies of Let's Talk About It, as well as Sex Plus... Learning, loving, and enjoying your body were available at both schools to check out. And yes, they were checked out. No, I'm kidding. Actually, there's no record of the books ever being checked out by any students whatsoever. So really popular titles, as you can tell. Brooke Weiss, leader of the conservative activist group Moms for Liberty, Mecklenburg, emailed school board members, as well as the interim superintendent, Crystal Hill, and... Uh, Demanded answers, according to the Charlotte Observer. Oh, very confrontational. Demanded answers to why that book was in the schools. And then uh, interim superintendent Hill responded, letting her know that the books were removed. She wrote, 
We were not aware that these books were included in the Media Center bundle purchased for the opening of our two new high schools this year. Steps have been put into place to ensure this does not happen again. All right, so so how did these books get on the shelf? The Media Center bundle purchased at the beginning of the year. So you just, what, you just, it's like a black box kind of thing? You have no idea what's in it? So it's a prize. It's like a it's like a raffle or something. Oh, uh, go to the website, I don't know, like McGraw Hill or something, and, uh, you know, get your students back to school the right way with this surprise bundle of books. And nobody just looked in there. Nobody looked at the titles. It didn't matter. Because honestly, let's talk about it, that book. Let's talk about it. If you're just judging the book by its cover, which I'm told you are always supposed to do, then you could just say, oh, well, I, I, would, not, I would not know what that's about. In fact, I have to read it because it's saying, let's talk about it. So I'd have to read it to know what it is. So maybe they were deceived there. But the second one, it's called Sex Plus. That, that, that word right there should kind of give a bit of an indication as to what the content of the book might be. So how did it get on the shelves? Let's Talk About It is a graphic novel, or it's a graphic graphic novel, I guess you might say. It covers relationships, friendships, gender, sexuality, anatomy, body image, safe sex, sexting, and more, according to the publisher, Penguin Random House. It also contains graphic sexual illustrations and illustrations of sexual positions with commentary. By the way, a graphic novel is a comic book. That's what we used to call comic books. Now they call them graphic novels because they don't want to seem like, I guess, as childlike or something, childish, whatever. I don't know. But they're, it's basically comic books. In the other one, Sex Plus, the author covers issues and concerns that go along with sexuality, anatomy, consent, LGBTQ issues, pregnancy prevention, sexual empowerment, healthy relationships, and more. Again, that's according to HarperCollins Publishers. It's, uh, it describes its book as one that will help you take control of your sex life. These books encourage teens to use porn, said Weiss, give instructions on how to sext and get away with it, and are literal manuals for sex acts. See, schools are how the civilization, how our society transmits values. What are our shared values? Are these the shared values that we should be providing? These books get on the shelf because there are people that say, yes, they want to transmit these values to your kids. There is, and, and I'm sorry if you get offended when people call those types of uh, education professionals groomers. But that is what you're doing, right? You're, you're grooming them in a certain, into a certain way of thinking as it pertains to sexual relations. The books come in a bundle of 8,500. So 8,500 books from an external vendor named Mackin, which that's appropriate. For the opening of the new campuses for the new school year, the books were advertised as appropriate for grades 9 through 12. So ages 14 to 17. So 14 years old, you get the graphic, uh, graphic novel. Uh, there was no indication of the level of content included in the book. Publishers of both books categorized them as being young adult 
nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a problem. You're buying books, you have no idea what's in them, and you're relying on the publishing industry to categorize them in a way that tells you what they are, and the industry is obviously not doing so. Um, I'm trying to get, uh, I forgot her first name, The uh, Brooke Weiss from the Moms for Liberty chapter. She says that she's grateful for CMS's quick response. She still has some questions about the process of how the books ended up in the library. She said, this reinforces my feeling that there's a problem. It needs to be addressed. And she wants there to be a uh, rating system. She met with Matt Hayes, who is CMS's deputy superintendent of academics, as well as the chief academic officer, Nancy Brightwell, to pitch the idea of a review committee and a rating system as solutions to controversial books circulating in school libraries and classrooms. Well... There's your first mistake, Brooke. You offered a solution. You're not an education professional. You don't know any solutions that would actually work. The default position shall be no. She says books containing controversial content, particularly explicit sex, should be rated with age restrictions to give parents the choice about whether their kid should have access to the book. I'm confused. I'm so confused. How would such a system even work? What are you saying? You're you're going to put you're going to put a rating or something? Like and, and and then a parent is going to be able to like look at that that rating and and know whether it's appropriate or not appropriate for a certain age and then they can determine whether or not their child could have access to that content. Like this is I've never heard of such a system. This could never work. Although if it does work, I might recommend we apply it to other content such as movies and video games, just spitballing. School districts nationwide are seeing an uptick in complaints about book content. Never addressed, by the way, in this article at The Observer is why. Why are school districts seeing an uptick in complaints about content? Why is that happening? Is it that parents are now paying more attention? Maybe. Or could it be, and again, just spitballing here, could it be that more of these books are being put into the schools. And so more parents and kids are encountering them. Parents want school boards to ban books from campus libraries or have them removed from required reading lists because of complaints ranging from racism in American history to information about LGBTQ plus identities or sex ed. No, what they're, they, no, they're the books that are targeted are books that are age inappropriate are graphic in nature, or are framing people as guilty of something for the sins of past generations that just so happen to share some immutable characteristic, such as race. Requiring people... See, this is, this is the thing. They have, they have captured academia. The, the, this, this left-wing progressive march through the institutions, right? They have captured academia and so they want all of their ideas to be mandatory and those those things just like with all things of the left that which is not mandatory is prohibited that's the way they roll you're still free to go and buy these novels these comic books you want to buy comic porn for your kid at age seven you go right ahead and do it i'm not advocating it 
I'm just saying you don't get to force other parents to make that same choice. They're not saying ban the books. They're saying don't put them on the school libraries because they're not appropriate for all ages, for all kids. Stan says, I am baffled by the voters in Chicago. You get rid of Lori Lightfoot, but narrow your Democrat Party choices down to the former public school CEO and a current school teacher slash teacher's union leader. Yet only 15, 20 percent of students are proficient in math and reading, respectively. So they can't educate your kids, but you'll vote for them to run the whole city. If one of these two win, that one of them will win. Um, they'll be lucky if it's not worse than when run by Lori Lightfoot. If you do an online search for Republican mayoral candidates in Chicago, nothing shows up, at least as far down as I was willing to spend time to look. So this once great city is progressing as fast as it can towards a a bleep orifice, uh, a, a, a poopy city. And cleaning up for the FCC and your station's license, of course. Okay, clean. You did not clean that up. I had to clean that up. Thanks a lot, Stan. Almost jeopardized my license. Um, yeah, well, you get the government you, you vote for. Uh, Dean, welcome to the program. Hello, Dean. Hi, Pete. How are you today? Hey, I'm all right. What's going on? Yeah, but you know what? I mean, well, first of all, before we get into it, you said boomers, you know, age appropriate. Yes, for all ages. Age appropriate for anybody under 16. I mean, are you suggesting like a seven year old, you know, jump in the car because the roads are clear? No, I'm saying boomer is a human being. He's appropriate for all ages. He's a nice guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. You could take him anywhere. Let me go on to the thing because I mean, your your show's been exceptional today. Oh, thank you. Well, we see, when I set the bar so low, when I have a low standard to begin with, and uh, uh, even just a, a mediocre show will seem exceptional by comparison. Uh, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment, I guess, for listening. But anyways, I, I think I, I can understand how those books got into the, into the schools, you know. And I, I think that, you know, if, if the Charlotte Mecklenburg, if the school district didn't pick up on it, don't you think that maybe... You know, what was the name of the company that did it? Maggot or something? Mackin. Mackin. Okay. okay. Yeah. The, the, you know. Like they're macking on your kids. Who's going to read 2,000 books? The guy that was probably picking out the books mm-hmm. was said that, okay, um, here's a book, uh, Finance and More, uh, you know, uh, Math and More. Yeah, yeah. And then he just got the Sex and More and said, okay, wow, we're, you know, how are we going to broaden any horizons unless we cover them? I mean... You know, so they, you know, he, they looked at it like that. And then I doubt if anybody in Mecklenburg even looked at it any closer. And so it just got put in there. And nobody really knew until one of the kids, you know, opened the book or said something, mm-hmm. I guess. Does that make sense or not? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, yeah, lack of control, lack of lack of I, knowledge, ignorance about what it was that you were actually putting on the shelves. I don't think that's a better excuse. How many layers of ignorance is there in schooling anymore? I would submit at every layer. Every single layer has ignorance. I mean, we're all humans. We can't know everything. But so I don't know how it. uh, uh, What you've just outlined is, in all likelihood, how it occurred. Right? Nobody even. I, I would submit they probably never even looked at the titles. They just said, "What's the price? How many units are we getting? Eight thousand five hundred books." Fantastic. Here's the here's the check. And then they just put them into the schools. I don't think they even looked at the titles. 
Isn't that, isn't that just typical of everything today? You know, they probably looked at the cost per page and that's like, oh, okay, this is 1.2. Let's go with this. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I have no no doubt that it happened that way. And so they relied on the publisher to tell them what the book was about. And the publisher gave them this, you know, this sort of anodyne kind of uh, explanation about what it was. They kind of just uh, glossed over what the, what the content was. Yeah. And, and, you know, Pete, there was this publishing company, Panda Publishers. Do you remember them? Or I don't even know if they're still in business. But they they published a lot of books in Panda Publishing, Panda China, China, Panda, China, U.S., you know? All right. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> there you have it. The connection is solid. Uh, it's undeniable. News is next.